Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Humbling Oneself Part 2. And before we start, I want to share that last week we made some sort of vote um, whether we should continue learning Tanya or discuss the month of Elul. And Hashem answers our, all our prayers. And this week's class is very, very connected to Elul, and we'll discuss that, meaning what we're learning in Tanya by Divine Providence is very connected to Elul, and we'll connect that at the end of the class. We're discussing in chapter 29 someone that unfortunately has, has spiritually, is spiritually experiencing a heart attack, meaning that their heart is not connecting with the rest of their, their body, it's clogged. And and what can we do to bring back that feeling? We've explained that in our specific scenario, the separation. Can I just ask if you want the door open or closed? I'm happy with it closed. Closed. Is closed good? We explained that what creates that separation? How does the separation happen in our, in our heart? It happens from impurity that tries to make itself a something. That impurity is us. That was the first class we discussed. Who am I? We discussed that the person, unless we're at Sadiq, we are the animalistic soul. And therefore, by breaking our animalistic soul, we're going to break the separation between our heart and the rest of our body. So let's put it back. <coughs> God forbid someone has experienced a spiritual heart attack, separating his heart from, from his mind. That clogging comes from our animalistic soul. So by breaking the animalistic soul, pushing it down, subduing it, we're going to remove that clogging. How do you subdue it? There's four methods. Two we discussed last week. The first one was by thinking how your potential, the potential of a Jew is the lowest potential in the entire world. It's quite a, quite a, quite a perspective. Of course, the reason why it's the lowest perspective is because, why it's the lowest potential is because we also have the highest potential. And so relative to our great potential, we have the opposite also. But in our current perspective, one method of humbling oneself is thinking how your potential is the lowest of anything else. The second method we discussed was, th was thinking about the sins of youth and the effect that it, it has had on high. Tonight we're going to discuss two other methods of humbling oneself and, and removing that separation between our heart and the rest of our body. The first one is by becoming an accountant. Becoming an accountant, this is crazy, in the words of the Alter Rebbe, in the words of Tanya, thinking what has happened from the day of birth until today. So the discussion, what, literally day of birth, how could you make, how could we, we don't even, we can't even remember the day of birth, like, uh, okay, even if you push it, some people say maybe it's gonna mean day of becoming aware there's an age called the age of Chinuch whether it's six or seven it's an age when a child now if you tell him something 
he's able to apply it. Let me give you an example. You could tell a child that on Shabbos you shouldn't drive a car. Now he knows Shabbos and car, but he can't connect the two. It doesn't, doesn't apply. Education, the age of education means that when he's eating an apple and he makes a blessing, he, he's fully able to understand that there's an apple, there's a blessing, and there's a Shem that gave me... The, he's able to understand the picture. So some people say that the date of, that when, when Tanya's going to say you should make an accounting, it's talking about from that day of education. Some people will say maybe even from Bar Bas Mitzvah. Nonetheless, I can only talk for myself. If I were to make an accounting from the day of Bar Mitzvah until today, we could find enough to humble one's spirit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the third method which we're going to discuss. And the fourth method, which is extremely fascinating, is talking about dreams. And in short, and we'll, get, we'll talk more about it as the class goes on, dreams happen let's talk about it when we get there it's really fascinating and I could easily divert <laughs> let's get let's get it we're in chapter 29 page 128 left hand column especially so again chapter 29 page 128 bottom of the left hand column I apologize. We're actually we're on the right-hand column, and even page, chapter twenty-nine, page one twenty-eight, right-hand column, and even. Do we have the place? And even he who is innocent of the grievous sins of youth. Okay, so we're talking about a person who hasn't truly sinned, and as we discuss a specific this of sins of youth. This hasn't occurred with that person. Ah, so maybe you'll say he has no way to humble himself. Don't worry. What should you do? You should set his heart to fulfill the counsel of the Holy Zohar to be of the masters of accounts. And I want to share with you the Hebrew words, the, the Aramaic words I should say, which are Masters of accounts. That is to say, he should keep a reckoning with his soul regarding all the thoughts, speech, utterances, and actions that have come and gone since he came into being and until the present day. You want to humble yourself. Think what's happened over your entire course of your life. As to whether they, all of your thought, speech, and action have come from the direction of holiness or from the direction of impurity, the Lord deliver us. Now, let's hold on a moment. Let's remember what we learned in the, in the first ten chapters. We learned that for something to be connected to holiness, it has to be focused. Something that is unfocused is automatically connected to the impurity. For example, if you're taking care of your body, so your body should be healthy, but it's not in order to be healthy, to serve God, that's not a bad thing. But that is not holiness. And there is no in-between. There is holiness and there is unholiness. There is, there is not good and bad, 
because as we'll soon discuss within the unholy there's great potential within the, within the first level of impurity but for something to be impure all that's needed unfortunately is for it not to have been focused that's what we learn now these being all the thoughts utterances and actions that are not dedicated to God and His will and service the moment it is not dedicated to God then it is from the direction of impurity for this is the meaning of Sitra Achara, as has been explained above chapter 6. If, what it, does any, can anyone remind me what the words Sitra Achara mean? Sitra Achara, we say it's interchangeable with the words uh, of Tumah, impurity. Sitra Achara, the other side. Sitra, side, Achara, other, the other side. There is holiness and there is the other side, the other side of the road. If something is not focused for God, it is automatically connected to the impurity. So now, make an accounting from the beginning of your life until now. I could talk for myself. I could certainly find at least one thing that hasn't been focused on God. If you have any questions and you need some help, ask your spouse or ask a friend. So, Maisha Mendel, do you think this could be a method of coming to humble oneself? Thinking how the moment something without your entire life hasn't been focused for God, it has been connected to impurity. Could this be a method of coming to humility? And it is known, continues Tanya, in heaven, there are many chambers. Tonight, I want to tell you about 14 chambers. We're all familiar with the seven, there's ten sefirot, but there are seven sefirot that are connected with emotions, which we call them in, as an acronym, Chagas Nehim. They are Chesed, Gevur, Tiferes, Netzachod, Yisod, Malchus, Kindness, Severity, Beauty, victory, splendor, and kingship. And each one of these, uh, these are the seven um, attributes connected to emotions. And in heaven, there are seven chambers of these positive attributes, and seven chambers of these attributes in the negative. For example, you could be kind, but you could be kind within holiness and you could be kind within the within impurity so kindness is not always a good thing right if for sometimes you could i'm sure people that are that are unfortunate i'm sure someone that wants to do something really bad can do something kind for to another person as part of his bad plan that's not kindness of holiness. So in heaven we have 14 chambers. We have seven chambers of the emotive attributes, of, of the attributes connected to emotion. <coughs> so we're going to call them 
from Sitra de Kedusha, the holy side, and then we have the same seven chambers that come from the unholy side. And every time you do something connected to any one of these seven attributes, you automatically get fed from whichever side it's on. So if you're being kind to someone for a proper reason, you've just become a receptacle. Would that be correct? You are now you're receiving from the kindness of holiness. If you went ahead and were kind to someone for a negative reason, you're going to be receiving from the kindness, but the kindness of the sitra akhra, the other side. And similarly, if you're being severe with someone, if you're being strong with someone, but that's part of being holy, you're going to be getting from the chamber of Givura within the holiness and the opposite. Fourteen chambers. Continues Tanya. And it is known that every time a person thinks holy thoughts, he at that time, he, bec he becomes at that time a vehicle for the Hechalot, chambers of holiness. Whence, where these thoughts originate, and vice versa. If unfortunately someone is having negative thoughts, or speaking, or, or action, but that's connected with either side of these chambers, you become at that, if it's unholy, becoming at that time an unclean vehicle for the Hechalot of impurity where all impure thoughts originate. So too with speech and action. This, to me, talks for itself. No explanation needed. If we were to make an accounting from as far back as we could remember till today, every single action draws down energy draws down energy. Every single action draws down energy. Think, which energy did I draw down at that moment? Something we're learning here is, 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 very, is very big, and that is, there is no such a thing as a, as a, how do you call it in a car when you put it on automatic, auto drive, what's it called? Autopilot. There's no such thing as autopilot. Autopilot? Auto, what does autopilot mean? It means you're not using your mind. The moment you're not using your mind, it's impure. The moment you have just let life go, and you're just flowing with it, you're not connected with it, it's from the side of impurity. That's very strong. But that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means it's strong. It's an awareness. What is the difference between a worker and an owner? Let's go back to the words of the Zohar. The Zohar said, you should be marei de chushbena, masters of accounts doesn't say you should be an accountant. That's not at all what it's saying. You could be an accountant for somebody else. At the end of the day, all the accountant worries about is, am I doing my job? But if that person is in the red, it's not, that's not his worry. 
We're not saying. You need to be a master of accounts. First I want to share with you a, a muscle. I'm sure I shared the same analogy back in chapter 2 and 3. If you remember it, great. They share about this villager that couldn't read. And he contracted a rabbi to come and teach his children. He knew his children needed to, need to learn Torah. So they contracted with the rabbi to come live in his house and teach Torah. But one of the jobs of this rabbi was to read the man's mail. He couldn't read. He was illiterate. And the job of this man was to every day when the mail comes, the villager would open it up and the rabbi would read it to him. One day, a letter comes and the letter reads, Dear Chaim, the villager's name is Chaim, Dear Chaim, this is to inform you of the death of your father. End of the letter. Who who's able to read the letter? The rabbi. Now, he, he just goes on to the next piece of mail. He's, all of a sudden, the villager, he's in tears. But he never read the letter. He can't even, he can't even read what it's saying. And they give this analogy, this point, again, again, what's, what's, what's the story here? The story is that the person who has the ability, the person who's able to understand, it, it's meaningless to him that someone else's father died. To him, it's just another... He, he, he understood it. He could repeat it back to you. He fully comprehended what it meant, but it didn't affect him. The villager... I don't know what his comprehension level is, but it affected him. There is a master, and then there is a worker. We're not workers here. We're not making an accounting of our life for somebody else. It's our life. We have to be masters. What does it mean to be a master? Hasidim relate. There's two differences. There's many differences. But two points that they share the difference between a master and a worker. Number one is, Workers may try hard, but the nitty-gritty specific details are not always so important to them. They're going to do their best, but they're not going to worry about the minutiae. Owners may get very bogged down. Every single detail matters to them. Nothing is too... Nothing is... Um, is, is unimportant. Detail number one they share. Detail number two is... A worker, they're going to try as hard as they can. When they come into the job, the important, most important thing is that they've invested in it. The outcome is, is Hashem's problem. The owner, he only cares about the outcome. Whatever was invested, that, that doesn't matter to him. He wants to know that there's been a good outcome. So when we're making this accounting, says the Zohar, we have to be owners. Number one is, we have to worry about the details. Let's not say, ah, that one time. <laughs> Let's just hide it under the rug. We have to be worried about the details. And second of all, we can't come and say, I invested. The owner is not worried about the investment. 
he's worried about the outcome. If we didn't succeed in whatever the task was, then we weren't successful. And we have to revisit it and think what went wrong. And this is where I share, this is, this is purely the month of Elul. Elul is this time to make this accounting, to really think what has transpired. L- let me share for a moment. <clears throat> Some people, they have a knack to constantly, talk, to constantly think things over in their mind, revisit it, and be very critical on themselves. Comes the Torah, and the Torah sets limits how often you should visit what's going on in your life. What are the limits? There should be a short daily accounting at the end of the day called Kriyas Shema Shal Hamita. Right before we go to sleep, you should have a short account. Think about the day. Right before the, the new month, there's a day called Yom Kippur Kata, and it's called the Little Yom Kippur. Every month, there's something called the Little Yom Kippur. You should visit the month, previous month. Some people even have a custom to fast. And then you have a yearly accounting. That's the month of Elul. And I share this because I remember myself, one time I was something, I, I don't remember the specific details, but I remember asking my mashpia, my mentor about it, and he said, that's something for the month of Elul. Like, everything has a time. How do we know the month of Elul is this time? Does anyone know why Elul is a month of accounting? The end of the year? It's the end of the year, but it's on a very, that's on a very simple level. But why is Elul apropos for this? What in history has shown us that Elul is a time of account taking and forgiveness. And this leads us back to Yom Kippur. How do we know Yom Kippur is a special day? How do we know Yom Kippur is a day of forgiveness? So let's look back in history. Do you mind if I quote to you, if I read to you from the Kittur Shulchan Aruch? Kittur Shulchan Aruch, written by Rabbi Shlomo Gansfried in the, I believe, the 1800s, late 1800s. Unbelievable. He wrote this for the average Jew. He condensed hundreds of books into one book. Magnificent job, they say. To be a good rabbi, you just need to know the uh, kids are thoroughly, and you'll be able to answer most questions. Unbelievable. Chapter 128, first paragraph says like this From Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur. So we're currently in, in the month of Elul. He says, From the beginning of Elul until Yom Kippur, Hema Yemei Ratzon are days of. Hashem wanting us. Yemei Ratzon, days of goodwill. Hashem wants to hear from us and He wants to forgive us. Now what's unique? The whole year we say you could do repentance. It's not like, oh, you sinned, you sinned. Okay, wait till El to ask forgiveness. We say, if something happened, Hashem will forgive you then and there. So what's unique about Elul? These days are much better. Why? And here's what I wanted to share. Keep Rosh Chodesh Elul, Moshe, 
On the first day of Elul, Moshe went up to the mountain to get the second tablets. Let's look back in history. Does anyone know when Moshe went up to the mountain for the first time? Well, let me ask a different question first. How many times did Moshe go up to the mountain of Sinai by razor fingers? Good, I saw, I, saw, I saw some correct answers. The correct answer is three. Three times, each for 40 days and nights. So let's do a little history. And I always tell my students, they say, ah, math, we don't need to know math. I say, if you want to be the best rabbi in the world, you better know math. Because there is much in Torah that, needs to, that you need to know math and geography and, and uh, astronomy, astrology. It's all within Torah. So let's do a little math together. Moshe went up on the mountain for the first time what day? Shavuot. Shavuot is the seventh day, the sixth day, the seventh day of Sivan. Let's see. He comes down 40 days later, and what happens 40 days later? The golden calf happens. He breaks the tablets. What day does that happen? That happens now on the 17th day of Tammuz. It's a fast day, tragic day. Okay, Moshe went up on the mountain on Shavuot. He comes back 40 days later, breaks the tablets, sad day. We fast. He goes up onto the mountain and he says, God, don't destroy the Jewish people. Shem says, I'm done. I'm going to destroy the Jewish people. I'll, Moshe, you'll live. Your children will be fine, but I'm, I'm done. And Moshe, Moshe prays. It comes on 40 days later on Rosh Chodesh Elul. And uh, Hashem says, okay, I'm not going to destroy the Jewish people. But He hasn't forgiven them. On Rosh Chodesh Elul, Moshe goes back up for the third time. That's why this is so important to know three times. Because each time has a tremendous meaning. Moshe goes back up for the third time on Rosh Chodesh Elul. He comes back 40 days later. Let's do the math. How many days are in Elul? Let's, say, let's make an easy number, 30. How many days are there from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur? Ten. Ten. How many days do we have? Forty. Forty. Moshe goes up on the first, first day of Elul. He comes back on Yom Kippur. Forty days he's on the mountain. Yom Kippur he comes back and God says, I have completely forgiven the Jewish people. We're, we're, we are husband and wife again. Beautiful. These forty days are forty days of forgiveness. They're forty days of reconnection with Hashem. That's what our history shows us. When the greatest sin, one of the greatest sins ever had to happen, the sin of the golden calf took place. During these 40 days, God completely reconnected with us. When we did our part, did our repentance. So these are an amazing, these days have amazing energy within them for a Jew to repent and connect with Hashem. Yes, every day is great, but these 40 days have tremendous energy within them. Clear? Did everyone get the 40 times 3 and have the last 40? No? He went back up right after he came down. He broke the tablets on the 17th day of Tammuz. He goes back up and comes back down. There's Tammuz and Av. He goes back up and comes back down right before the first of Elul. Should I write on? Why does he go? Should I write on a map? What? You'll find it. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. 
I've only, I'm not as clear on the Bible as I should be. But the first time he goes up and he comes down with the calf, and then he goes. No, no, he comes down with the tablets. With the tablets, and where is the calf? The Jewish people. And so he breaks the tablets. Right. And then he goes back up again and gets more tablets. No, the second time he goes back up, and he asks God to not destroy the Jewish people. And then he goes back up again and brings back the. And then he goes back up a third time and asks God to forgive the Jewish people and reconnect with them. And then, at the end of that time, digs under his tent and engraves the second set of tablets. Okay, so, so the third time is when the, yes. he brings the second set of tablets. Yes. Okay, now well, I got it. Yeah. yeah. Umin Az, from that day, from, the, from that time on, since Moshe Rabbeinu was on behalf of the Jewish people, we were forgiven on Yom Kippur. Between Elul and Yom Kippur, These days are days of connection. They're days of wanting. That Hashem is open to hear our prayer and connect with us more, more, more than ever. Interesting, it's a little too late for this year, but many, he, the Kitzur says many people have the custom to fast right before Rosh Chodesh Elul, the day prior, to put themselves in, in the spirit. Okay? Uh, but this is what I wanted to share. He continues and he quotes from the Arizal. Elul, can I borrow that pencil please? I should have brought a paper. Does anyone have a paper? Nice white paper. Excellent. What? Yeah, no problem. I'm going to give you back your pencil and I'll use my pen. So, Elul is four letters. Aleph, and I'll show you in a second. Lamed, Vav, Lamed. Elul is Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. And... What we're going to do now is, we're going to show you how these four letters are acronyms for very crazy things. It's not crazy. These are acronyms for what we need to do during the time of, El during the time of Elo. Let me share with you the first one. I'm sorry, am I going too fast? Is, is it clear? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 there's a verse... The verse is talking about someone who accidentally kills somebody else. The verse, this, the discussion that the, the Torah itself is having is where someone is holding a knife out, coming this way, and another guy comes here. They can't see each other because there's a strong wall, and they kill each other, and one kills the other. Basher you didn't plan. Hashem brought this to happen. So what does the Torah say in such a case? Test over here. What should you, what, what's the Torah law? If, if there was an unintentional killing? Go to the cities of refuge. I'm, I want to quote you the words now. Ina... Starts with an aleph. Liado starts with a lamet. Visamti starts with a vav. 
Lach starts with the Lamed. And if you want to see all the specifics, you could Google it online. But Inal Yadov Samti Lach. That's an acronym. The first letter of each of those words makes Elul. And those words say, if it came to your hand, the killing, Vesamti Lach, I've made a place for you to go. That's what the verse literally says. Let's listen to the way the Arizal translates it and its connection to Elul. Arizal Kosav, the Arizal says, Vasher Tevas, this passage is an acronym for the word Elul. Why? And he says, to tell you what's the story. The story is where there was an unintentional murder and the Torah has tell, told you how to rectify it. You go to the city of refuge. That is the month of Elul. Elul is saying if there has been something inappropriate, this is the, the time to, to take care of it. If something, it could have been in, unintentional, but something happened, now this is the month to deal with it. many other acronyms, but we'll leave them for now. One of the famous ones everyone knows, Elul is the Rashi Tevos. Say it in English. Good, good, good. Could someone help me now in the Hebrew? Is it, is it coming to mind? Ani lidodi vidodi li. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Beautiful. What is that? What does that mean? I am to my beloved. If I take the first step to my beloved, then my beloved will be to me. There has to, someone has to take the first step from Shira Shirim. And by the way, just to be clear, there's the opposite verse elsewhere. It says, Dodi Li, my beloved is to me, and I am to him. Which means who's taking the first step? Which spouse is the one that's going to reach out first? In the month of Elul, Ani li dodi vidodi li, Ani starts with an Aleph, Lamed vav Lamed. In the month of Elul, we need to take the first step. Hashem says, I'm here, I want to connect with you. But it's our, this is a month when we have to go ahead and make, like we're learning now in Tanya, that accounting. Make the accounting, but Hashem says, make the accounting, but I'm, I'm here, I'm here to connect with you, we're going to make this happen. Are there any questions? Not on this and then probably right after class. I want to go back briefly and just get the 12 emotions again that you went through. You got it. You got it. Okay. Should we talk about dreams or should we talk a little more about Elul? Which one would you prefer? Mm -hmm. Both. <laughs> okay. Dreams. dreams. So we're going to continue in Tanya. So now we're going to talk about the fourth method of coming to humility in order to break this, cl this clogged heart. What is the fourth method? There, is a f there are a few pages in the Tractate of Brachot which talk about dreams. They're quite fascinating. I encourage you to look them up. It talks about if you see this in your dream, this will happen to you if you see that in your dream. You want to know more about your dreams? Baruch, it's, this, is, this, is like, this is like crazy stuff. What's the name of the book? 
track date, this is the Talmud. Just, just search dreams Talmud. Okay. You know, Tal Talmud on dreams. So, what we know about dream, what we know is like this. We know, we know what's supposed to be. Sleep is supposed to be a time when your brain, when your soul fully connects with Hashem. That's what's supposed to be. To quote from the Midrash, the Midrash says, and I'll quote you, Hanishama hazos mimalas is called haguf. The soul fills the entire body. The moment he sleeps, the soul goes on high. And draws down life. So sleep is supposed to be a re-energizer, not only on a physical state, but also on a spiritual state. Your soul is supposed to go back up and recharge. When that happens, your soul automatically should be seeing godly things. If your soul is seeing godly things, that's going to create within your mind holy dreams. So the natural state of a Jew is without any interference, that his soul, when he sleeps, goes on high, recharges, and is seeing a lot of godliness, that automatically is going to drip down, and your dreams will be godly dreams. That's why we know that, that some people have the ability, when they sleep, to have godly answers come to them. We learn stories of people that uh, they would have a question, like a Talmudic question, and in their sleep the answer would come. That is the natural state of a Jew. Unfortunately, we're able to stop that natural state and block it. But the moment we're not having a, a, a holy dream, that's, that's just a reflection that things are not in its natural state of order. Again, we're not saying you're a sinner. That's not at all our conversation. We're talking here about a Bainan. We're talking here about a person who is fulfilling Torah and mitzvahs appropriately. But nonetheless, the fact that he is not having holy dreams is a reflection on a certain lacking within him. And that lacking should, be, should bring him to humility. So the fourth method of, method of coming to humility is by recognizing that the fact that you are not having holy dreams is a reflection on a certain lacking within you that is not allowing your soul to go and draw down the life and see the godliness during the time of sleep. Let's see that inside. We're going to actually learn from the quote of the Zohar about dreams. In addition, the fourth method of humbling oneself, let's talk about dreams. He must earnestly, earnestly remember that most of his dreams are vanity and affliction of the spirit. Most of this person's dreams of context. Everyone here, I'm sure, has holy, holy dreams. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the average Bainani. 
The Bainani has dreams that are vanity and affliction of the spirit. That means they're actually painful dreams. Why? Why is that happening? That's not supposed to be happening. It's happening because his soul does not rise upward. As it is written, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. If someone has pure hands, clean hands and a pure heart, you guys probably, you know this passage, we say it on Yom Kippur at night, Rosh Hashanah at night. Miyale Behar Hashem. Who's going to go up on the mountain of Hashem? Someone who has clean hands, who bar levav and a pure heart. But if someone doesn't have clean hands and a pure heart, they're not going to be able, their soul won't be able to go up to the mountain of God. This is telling us that it is possible for you to stop your soul from, from going up on that mountain. You are, you do have the power to stop, to, to make that stopping. But those originating from the evil side, someone who doesn't have a clean hands and a pure heart, will have pe items originating from the evil side come and attach themselves to him. That means impurity is coming to this person. This is a quote from the Zohar. Quite a, quite a, quite a quote and report to him in his dreams of mundane affairs. So the first thing is, if the person is not, his soul is not able to go on high, in your dream you may have mundane items. That's, that's not so bad. But then, and often mock him, and show him false things in dreams, and torment him in his dreams, and so on, as stated in the Zohar on Vayikra, page 25a, b. See it here, discussed at length. So what have we said here? We've said that the natural state of the Jew is that his soul goes on high when he's sleeping and he sees tremendous levels of godliness and that in part trickles down that at least within his dreams he should have holy dreams. If someone is not having holy dreams, it's a reflection that there's something broken within this connection. He, he has done something. He's still a Bainani. He's a holy person. But nonetheless, he has allowed the impurity to come and, and mock him and torment him. And this should be able to humble his spirit. So with this we've concluded the four methods of humbling oneself and they've been in an order. They've been talking about from lowest to highest. In a sense. We started off saying the first method of humility is by thinking about your potential. But we said the potential is not my fault. It's not my fault that Hashem made me this way. So we then shared a second method. Think about some really inappropriate sins you've done. One second, maybe you haven't done those inappropriate sins. So we came to a third method saying, try and make an accounting from the beginning of your life till now. You may come up with something that's been inappropriate. Oh, you haven't come up with anything. We'll give you a fourth method. The fourth method is the fact that your dreams are not holy is a reflection on something, um, a certain lacking, and that should bring you to humility. With this, hopefully we'll be able to break the clogging that's in the heart and bring back the vitality, the energy, the life within us. Any questions?
o- only you questions. How do you think the Supreme fully here? Great question. I'm going to give you an. I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play around with you, but I'm going to respond what the what we learned in the Tanya, which is by having a nikichapayim. The, the verse this is David Amalek tells us in Tilim. How could you go up by having nikichapayim, clean hands, with levav and a pure heart? So, someone who is not having purity of the heart and those clean hands their soul won't be able to see that tremendous vision. Now, the reason I said I'm playing around with you is because you, now you want to know what does it mean to have a pure heart and clean hands. Yeah, it's not <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's, that's not for now. But, <laughs> um, so, so, before we conclude, I want to share, next week we're going to learn a second a second way of breaking the impurity within you until now we discussed there's impurity there's this clogging we, we said one way is to humble yourself and we gave you four ways of humbling yourself next week we're going to learn that you could also scream at yourself like, like, like really scream at yourself I mean, we're gonna, we're even gonna tell you what words you could say. This is quite a famous. The next, what we're gonna learn next in Tanya is, is a famous lot. It's are some famous quotes that we discuss in yeshiva. Um, but it, but to finish off, I want to bless everyone, truly bless, that we are living in a very special time. Elul truly is a very special, special time. The worst sin ever was done. The golden calf. Again, I, I keep on tr- tricking myself because I don't know if it's the worst sin ever relative to the sin of the tree of knowledge. One of the worst sins ever. And God says, during this time, it's, it's past us, it's history. So we're living right now in a very special time. And to add, today is the 16th day of the month of Elul. That means Tuesday will be the 17th, and Wednesday will be the 18th. I wanted to tell you about the 18th day and on. From the 18th until the end of the month, how many days do we have left? 12. 12 days from the 18th day of Elul until the end of the year. And we learn that each one of these 12 days is corresponding to one of the 12 months of the year. That means on the 18th, day of, the 18th day of Elul, within that day we have the ability to transform the entire first month of the year, the entire month of, Elul, of, the entire month of Tishrei, and so on and so forth. And that means even if unfortunately we are, doing it, we are in a terrible place, until the last day of the year, in that last day of the year we have the ability to transform the whole last month which in effect will transform the whole last year. So, we are in tremendous, we are in days of tremendous energy. Let's use it out. Thank you very much.